Thank you for joining our podcast today. Our discussion is about AIG's journey to evaluate and evolve its commercial real estate finance technology platform. I'm your host, Steve Powell, Executive Chairman and Founder of Citus AMC. My guests today are Tom Fewings, Global Head of AIG's Commercial Real Estate Finance Business, and Brett Williams, Head of Commercial Real Estate Technology for Citus AMC and creator of Closer Loan Underwriting and Asset Management System. In part one, we learned about AIG's baseline objectives and goals that were key in helping them to develop a technology roadmap. In part two, we learned about the benefits of building a loan underwriting and asset management system and the community and the effort that it takes to do just that. We learned about some of the challenges around implementation. We learned about some of the benefits as well. In part three, we will share some helpful advice to others who are contemplating their own technology roadmap. So hopefully they have the benefit of the experience that we had as a working partnership over the last couple of years. Tom, you're a couple of years into the process now. Have you identified new objectives along the way? Or are you still pretty much sticking with the initial roadmap and expectations? The big picture roadmap is the same, but you cannot help. But when you get involved in a project like this, start to see new opportunities. And then things that were not on the radar a few years back, which are now. Some benefits, I think we talked about audit. You know, we're spending a lot of time on a you know, workflow that is auditable so that you can almost got a built-in audit process as you go through different processes on the system. We talked a bit about legal reviews and, you know, what do we mean by that and capturing legal risks? Well, I want to know, like, what are the transfer provisions on our loans? And maybe a few years back, we'd have asked the lawyers to go review all of our documents, but we can now log all of that so we can see which loans have got restrictive transfer provisions or not, or what's the average cure period on any of our loans, et cetera. New requirements, ESG is obviously a hot topic for everybody. And now, you know, we can go, and again, this is comes to, you know, but one is changing requirements and two is having a partner that's flexible. But we can go to Brett and say, Brett, we need to be able to capture all these ESG type features of a particular transaction that we're doing and build that in and then automatically build reporting around it, which again, previously would have been an incredibly manual process. So it's been great from that. Few things that maybe we didn't think about before, but have become possible. Things like service provider evaluation. It's now become much easier for us to track the speed at which service providers are providing us information. And more importantly, the accuracy of that information. So we can see how many times we have to send stuff back. We have very specific about the items that are being sent back. And the turnaround times, because every time we do that, it's tracked in the system. And that's incredibly powerful when sitting down with those people, because normally you have a fluffy, we're not very happy with uh, the service, but now we can give very specific feedback and granular feedback as to what's working well and what isn't. You know, I think a few other things that have come out is some of the visualization, ability to combine portfolio data and geographic data. You know, just a very simple example of that is the use of mapping technology and being able to overlay 
maybe markets with high rent growth, low rent growth, and to see where your portfolio is situated relative to those markets and see it very visually laid out on a map for you. Things like that are great. And as you go through the process and you start to be able to look at how you can build analytical tools on top of the data, it gets very exciting. And again, we benefit from a lot of technology that's out there now that enables you to use some very innovative visualization techniques, which really, I think, helps synthesize what is just a huge amount of data in our industry into something that people can look at and very readily assess the kind of risks that they're running and assimilate that data in a very friendly way. One other thing that it's really helped us with is, I don't know how many people have come across this, but the multiple versions of the truth, as I call it, where people would come to a meeting, typically different teams, maybe your risk team and your team, and they would have reports that just didn't tally. And we would spend a lot of time trying to figure out where the mismatches were because everybody was sourcing their data from slightly different systems. And we've tried to fix that and have everybody source from the same process. And then also getting rid of a lot of rekeying and data entry errors by automating data feeds. And that obviously saves a lot of time and also really unexciting time. So you, you have high paid analysts, rekeying data is really not much good for them and, and really a waste for us. So we want to not only save their time, but also eliminate the data entry errors that go along with that. So, uh, so quite a few things that come out and benefits that come out and new ways of doing things that have come out of we gone and, um, and the ability to adapt to changes in the market. You know, Tom, you shared with us some of the visualization that you're pursuing with your build, and, and, and it was very powerful today. Um, I can see where you're going with it. I can see how AI is a big part of where you want to take your technology. What about regulatory? I mean, we didn't talk about regulatory. We've got all kinds of regulatory reporting that you have as insurance company, as a lender, jurisdictional probably reporting. I got to believe that part of this build is touched on the regulatory aspects and requirements of your business, going from everything being in Word and Excel to a system and a database. Uh, you know, I got to believe that there's some thought around, around the regulatory requirements. Absolutely. I mean, all of us have regulatory reporting, regulatory capital that we have to calculate, and also gap reporting that we have to do. And nearly all of that reporting relies on updating financial positions of your loan books and then reevaluating those loan books and, and the um, risk categorizations of them. And the more streamlined and efficient you can make that process, the better. And the more frequently you can update the data. So typically those, well, for GAP, it's quarterly, but REG is maybe annually you want to be able to, if you can get quarterly financials in and processed, you start to get a feel for where you're heading before you actually do your reporting. And also to be able to capture the change over time so you can see trends in what's happening in your portfolio and also project whether you're going to have rating migration in your portfolio up or down. And, you know, those are things that, again, during this period of COVID have become very pertinent where People want to know, like, are we going to suffer big downgrades in our portfolio from a regulatory capital standard or from an economic risk capital's perspective? And you want to be able to answer those questions really quickly. And you cannot do that if you're running your whole book on a spreadsheet. I mean, it's just impossible. So yes, all of those things become 
much easier. And as I say, if you can also build in a lot of audit standard controls as part of this workflow process, it also makes the reporting of that so much faster and more efficient because um, the sign-off process is just much easier. Makes sense. Brett, you've got clients that have been on your systems now for over a decade, decade and a half in some situations. Are you ever done? Are you ever done? You've built what you set out to build and, and that's it. You know, we'll see it in another 10 years. I mean, how's that process work? No, it seems like you aren't ever really done. You're not done because there's more features to do. There's always another piece that you could layer in, like I mentioned earlier, where you're looking for that opportunity to take another data entry point out of the mix and all that sort of thing. You're not done with that. And as I mentioned uh, a while back, I think, in, in talking about the size of a vision, you're not done because it takes a long time to inch through each piece that you could automate or that you could get onto a system. So, you know, you're starting with, you're trying to achieve wins. You're trying to get to, we produce a credit memo, which means we do underwriting, which means we book the whole pipeline in the system. And then we do our closing, which means we make a closing binder and all those kinds of things. And then you move into asset management. So if you're incrementally moving through that, it seems like there's always something that you could do. And over the course of 10 years, if you think about it, who hasn't changed their underwriting model in 10 years for something? Or to Tom's point earlier, you know, the introduction of ESG taking on a high priority as a data set. The industry continues to change, and now they're changing even faster. They're trying to achieve more data standards, which and other systems are trying to leverage those data standards, opening up, sending data back and forth. So there's always something that you can be working on because technology changes, as we know, very rapidly. It doesn't change for banks and for commercial real estate as rapidly as it does on your iPhone, but it does change. And new opportunities come up every year, every quarter that we can take advantage of. And those that have made bigger splashes, we get pushed by our clients into, you know, they'll come in and ask us to integrate with those. And on the other side, as I mentioned on the build versus buy, we've got to sit around and see what the next opportunity is so that we can walk in with a solution, not just reacting to the needs of our customers. So there's always something to do. We try to monitor and we've actually scored our client's usage. So we actually have a usage score that we leverage to go and work with our customers on deeper adoption. As Tom mentioned, he wants to make everything plug and play so that he can fire me as easily as possible. And I appreciate that and I'll support him. But I want to make our system and their usage of our system so sticky that while he has the infrastructure to do that, he won't have the need or desire to do that because we're keeping up with the latest feature sets needed. That's interesting. And, and when you think about all the money that's been raised for the prop tech sector over the last couple of years, you, you can understand what you're saying about never being done and, and new features and functions that you can integrate into an existing system. You know, I remember two years ago, the appraisal industry, for one, has invested in their report writing tools. And now, you know, for the top 15 appraisers in the country for, by size and volume, 
we can pull those reports in through standardized data schemas. MISMO is kind of leading the way with that. Uh, we touched on MISMO earlier in their data standards. This has been a big help and something that's certainly evolved over the last couple of years. Some pretty exciting stuff as you think forward with the continued investment in the prop tech sector. Let me touch on a subject, change. You know, for me, change was always growth. You guys have got, and Tom, you, you have a, a group of professionals that have been with you for a while. You're implementing a new system. You're changing processes. Human nature is often resistant to change. We've seen that, especially in the commercial real estate industry. How has your team embraced the new system overall? And, and how did you approach and, and drive adoption? I, I start with a health warning. Be careful what you wish for here. I think my approach to begin with is there's no options here. This is, you've got to do this because the alternative is really not worth living with. And you're going to have a lot of mixed views and along the way. And some people who are keen to adopt, some people who are keen to adopt and then get frustrated because it's a lot more work than they anticipated. Some people who initially don't really see a lot of upside for them. We talked about the, you know, a lot more work at the front end, but really a lot of the benefits here are, I think, initially seen as at the back end in terms of risk management. But ultimately, that transparency and that risk management should help feed the front end and make you a better originator because you can learn a lot from that process. I think what's important there, by the way, is good feedback loops. So show the people who are at the front end of your business the benefits that you're getting and, and the intelligence that you're getting. Don't sort of close that feedback loop. Don't just let them think once things go in, it goes into a black hole and that they never see it again. So we're very proactive at feeding back and giving feedback around portfolio performance to the people out in the field. You know, I think um, a few other things, you're going to have your ups and downs, as I say, and I think you just got to sort of be dogged about it at times and really don't be afraid to try things and for them not to work out. And I think we talked about, you know, doing these sprints or small implementations. So try things out so that, you know, if you, if it doesn't quite work out, you can modify it, revise it. You can just stop, you know, just decide it was a bad idea in the first place and it's not the end of the world. But really, this is your chance to try and make things a lot better. So, you know, I don't really have a magic answer to your question, Steve. It's going to be a, a bit of a roller coaster and you, and you just got to stick with it. I think it's all about communication and trying to un let people understand why you're doing it and understand the benefits to the organization as a whole, and then try where you can to give as much feedback and show the benefits so that people, you know, don't think what they're doing is a waste of time. Tom, I can tell you from my own firsthand experience, your involvement has sent a strong message to the organization about the importance of your technology journey. Brett, you've seen a lot of other strategies that have been successful in driving adoption. Anything you care to add here? Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of adoption strategies, I don't know that it's different than what Tom's saying, but just expanding on it, you've got to give people an opportunity to acclimate themselves to the system and to develop a trust. They have to trust that the credit memo will reflect what they need it to reflect when they go to committee, or they need to trust that the underwriting model is going to produce the same answers and all that kind of stuff. So there's 
a parallel track that often happens if you have you know existing models, existing things that are offline, and then so you'll have to do it. It's double work, but there's a trust. One one early implementation that we had that I thought went really well and I thought it was super cool was they basically told the underwriters and everybody in September on the 15th or whatever day it was going to be, we are going to go pull your credit memos in committee out of the system. Until then, I don't care what you do. But on that day, it's going to happen. Along the way, we would expect you to double, you know, dual track a couple of deals. Every Friday, we'll make available a room where you can come ask questions. I actually traveled there for the first six Fridays, I think, to make sure that the questions were there. And then it got to where there really weren't questions. But, you know, we'll have lunch on Friday. You can come and ask your questions, any problems you had or questions you had around dual tracking that deal. So get comfortable. You got three months or whatever it was. But on this day, your deal's not going through committee if we don't pull the credit memo out of closer. I thought it was a really neat strategy. And as they did that through that period, they also made it fun. They had little games like, you know, tell me the address of this person and whoever does it first gets a you know gift card or whatever it was. So the users were unaware that they were really being acclimated to the system, developing a comfort, searching, navigating, doing all these things. And it really worked well. One of the... Um, long-standing customers and a seamless adoption for the system. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time today. Hopefully your experience can benefit others contemplating a similar technology journey in their near future. In closing, I'd like to ask both of you if there was one piece of helpful advice you could share with our audience. Tom, you want to take a stab at it first? As I started with um, at the beginning, I think really it's understand what you want and you know really from our perspective we wanted to understand the risk in our portfolio and how that risk is changing and what the likely impact of those changes are and then really being able to answer those questions as fast as possible i don't think there's anything earth-shatteringly new about that question or approach but i think where there is plenty of new opportunity is in the solution So assuming you're there and you want to move ahead, it's all about execution. And lastly, don't limit yourself to just addressing accounting, regulatory reporting or risk reporting, but create feedback loops to your origination and underwriting functions to get the most out of it. And I think I'll just leave it at that, Steve. Thank you, Tom. Brett, what would be the one piece of advice you'd like to share with the audience? Number one, it's hard for me to just have one piece of advice on this. And <laughs> the one thing I would say is I'll, I'll answer kind of a tweak of that question because I, I think what you asked sort of advice for people considering investing and or a build. And my default advice is go license a platform. The question, the, the version of that question I really want to get out there is really around key advice when you're moving into the implementation phase. And I would sort of comment on three things. One, which I've said a couple of times, but I think it's worth noting, know what problems you're solving. Understand what you do today and where you want to go. It is great to dream and you will get into a dream phase. 
And as you get in the implementation, you've got to whittle it down to small chunks and actually execute. And without clear problem definition at each stage of the implementation, you really run the risk of massive scope creep of making very windy roads. And you really want to go as much in a straight line as possible, delivering, as Tom has mentioned, quick wins. So you show the downstream value to the, to the users. Secondly, we've also mentioned this, identify a sponsorship that has authority to support the vision and the execution. And the third, which probably warrants its own podcast, so you know we'll schedule another time for it, but I will try to give you the high level. I think you really need to be aware, and I like to frame it in the metaphor of the five stages of grief, you really need to be aware that users typically go through some version of the five stages of grief. They start off with denial. This is never going to happen. They kind of push back. You've tried it many times before. It's always failed. So there's this sort of denial phase. They move into anger. I can't believe you're going to change the way I do this. You know, I know you say it's going to be great, but, you know, make everything else great, not the thing that I do. Uh, Then they move into negotiation, right? I'll do it if. I'll do it if you add this link. I'll do it if you make it green. I'll do it if you add this other feature, then they'll move into exploration where they say, you know, what would be cool is you do paint a, you do make a pretty good story with that vision. I could see where this could be valuable. And finally they'll hit adoption, right? And once they've hit adoption, this is, it becomes their process. It is now the thing that they do and it becomes the next thing to recycle the stages of grief on when that's going to change in some way, shape or form. So I tell our implementation team, you know, the biggest part of our job is getting people through the anger phase as fast as possible. We want to shorten anger negotiation, or really the two key humps in that bell curve. We want to shorten those and try to make those as fast as possible. For the stakeholders, for that sponsorship and leadership, we just need them to know it's okay. That's pretty predictable. It doesn't It doesn't diminish the argument. It doesn't diminish the point of the users. That's not the point, but you should expect that to happen. And with that experience and with the awareness it's going to happen, you can usher your way through all of those faster and more successfully to end in that adoption and advocacy phase. Brett, you bring a smile to my face every time you mention the five stages of grief. Because (laughs) clearly we've experienced similar at Citus AMC. Tom, I have to admit, in your case, I would have thought you would have led with double the budget, triple the time, and you're likely to be 50% correct. (laughs) I agree with what you've just said. This is definitely a journey. There is no project start and end date here, as we've joked many, many times amongst ourselves. No, no, I agree. (laughs) Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time. Tom Fewings head of commercial real estate finance for AIG, and Brett Williams, head of commercial real estate technology for Citus AMC. And I'd like to thank our audience for joining us for this episode of our In Conversation podcast. If you have any additional questions, or if you'd like to join our mailing list to learn more about future Citus AMC events, please reach out to us at connect at citusamc.com.